Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, hi, hello. How are you? I'm doing splendid. How are you? I know you weren't asking me, but I'm going to answer anyway. I'm I'm doing it. Doing it. The girls doing are doing it. it. The girls are doing it. The girls are girling. What are the girls doing? It. What's it? Working hard. Working nine to five. Make a living. Neither of us work nine to five. I might today. No, I started at eight, so never mind. I, like, you I, I might be done early though today, because I started early, and then so I did maybe, a lot of the stuff that I was supposed to do today yesterday. So you know, we've been on. I shouldn't say we because you've been so kind to accommodate my lack of brain cells. Um, <laughs> but there's so few left; they're fighting to the death. Um, maybe your Bing Bong needs to die. Bitch, my bing bong died a long fucking time ago. Why do you think I took it so personally when you didn't like bing bong? I'm without my bing bong. I think that maybe we should start recording earlier because 
getting more sunlight, you know, they're right about sunlight helping depression. I'm like, oh, wow, look at this. The sun is shining. And I do whatever some lyric about sun shining. Like, I'm feeling it. But that means you got to start prepping the night before. Well, you know, this was helpful because um, we get into why we had to push recording uh, on tomorrow in our See You Next Tuesday episode. But I did all the prep before. And so it was like, look, I, I prepped the night before. And then I didn't end up recording that day. So then I got to even add more additional stuff. Right. So we got to start prepping the night before, mm-hmm. getting up early, mm-hmm. and then just getting it over with. Yeah, we just want to get this podcast over with. <laughs> We're also tightening up how we record, too. Yep. Because I misread a text message. So, but it's it's good for us. I just want the record to state that you have been wrong. And you will all hear this. I wasn't wrong, wrong. No, you literally said, well, you were the one. And I went, hold the fuck up. I was not the one who suggested we record at 9 a.m. I think something happened because sometimes my texts do not come all the way through on my computer. If I'm checking, like my phone will be two texts ahead. And I think something happened where I missed something. And it didn't come through on my computer. Melissa, don't make me fact check this. I swear to God, they're like in the same message. I know they're in the same message, but I'm just saying it's on my computer. It gets delayed what I act, what gets received. Okay, well, we need to explain this to the people. So Melissa was like, you know, you were the one who wanted to record. Like we've had to push yesterday's recording. So, well, you were the one who wanted to record 9 a.m. the very next day. And I was like, literally, no. Like you told me what days worked for you. And the exact text message is, if you want to do tomorrow, we can. We just have to start early and not record long episodes. It have to be done by 2.30. That's one text message. Then a separate text message right after she says, or Thursday, I need to be done by four. And I said, we're going to skip the part of me saying, let me try and shit and see if I feel better. <laughs> I said, let's push it tomorrow or Thursday. Either works for me. That's one fucking text message. And you respond, okay, tomorrow at nine? Whatever. Things happen. You'll hear on Friday. Things happen. The biggest vindication of my life. Actually, that's really not true. I don't want to set my standards so low. Because that's really low. No, that's really fucking low. Anyways, we are um, Megan and Melissa, and we are here to bring you a wonderful podcast episode. Um, And if you're new here, this is Don't Blame Me, where we give wonderful, amazing, life-changing advice because beyond being gorgeous and funny and hilarious and stunning and nepo babies, Mm -hmm. we suffer from nepophilia. We also give the best advice Oprah has us on speed dial. Yeah. We consult with world leaders on how they should send world leaders text messages. <laughs> <laughs> we we were not involved in the text messaging of um, Jeff Bezos and his mistress. That is like... If they would have, then we would have just went straight to his ex-wife anyway. So Without a doubt, we're here to help. We're here to stir the pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're here to... Uh, Comment on your lives and you can call us to be featured on an episode. Let us know what's going on in your life and we'll give advice by leaving a voicemail at 310-694-0976. International listeners, you can send us an audio message at meganpodcast at gmail.com. You do have some requirements. You should be 18 or over. Have your parents' permission. Let us know your ages. We keep it all anonymous, but if you'd like to let us know your pronouns and anyone else involved in the situation you're going to tell us about, please do. You can create fake names, something that's easy for us to kind of track as a story, as a narrative, so we can give the best advice. And we can also give the best advice when we have the best, most like concise, specific information. So we do ask that you write it down and then read it out loud a couple times. Make sure it's under three minutes. Time yourself and make sure you have all of that good info in there. You can cut out the bulk, whatever, but 
keeping us like examples. If you're talking about like a toxic roommate situation, like, oh my gosh, just all this like absolutely asinine shit. We want to know. Specifically. Like we love specifics. We started a podcast talking about other people's gossip. Like do not leave us hanging. But we also can't give good advice if we don't know specifics because it could be something as, oh my gosh, she always leaves her hair tie on the kitchen sink or oh my gosh she always uses the neti pot in the kitchen two different things oh my god very two very different things and very different emotional reactions we would have both of these are things that my old roommate did disgusting absolutely disgusting so yeah call us send us your voice memos and you could hear yourself and you can hear us give you advice but if you are sensitive let us know we take it into account. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're also on Patreon if you want to watch the video version. So I do have to say that we give wonderful facial reactions all the time. Great we face shots. Good face. <laughs> but specifically listening to the calls, you might you might see yourself mm-hmm. in our reactions. Mm-hmm. And we also do live streams there twice a month. It is very affordable. You can literally have a Patreon like access to like all of the additional content from like the videos for both of our podcasts, as well as live streams. Like you can it's not expensive like you yeah. could have the full package the full brazilian mm-hmm. for under ten dollars monty who's monty by the way you ever see the movie monty python no it's a movie called the full monty oh so what came first the monty python or the full monty monty python mm. anyways let's get into the show let's do it here we go Hi, Megan and Melissa. I, 22, they, them, and calling about my one-year and nine-month relationship with my boyfriend, 23, he, him. Ever since we started dating, I have had issues with him saying little white lies as he thinks it would be better for me to hear than the truth. This includes him lying about talking to one of his female friends. I always felt iffy about because he told me that they slept together about a year before we started dating. It was never weird, it just hurt that he lied to me and it always made me feel suspicious. Another thing he lied about was when we just started dating, he told me he didn't smoke after I said it was one of my big deal breakers. I later found out that he does vape. I decided to look past it because I still love him, but it did hurt. Now the main reason I'm calling is because two hours ago, just after we signed our lease, I found out that he lied to me 10 times about emailing places that we were looking for to rent together as I was in another state and he said he would handle it. He didn't get responses for weeks apparently after he said he emailed so many places and within one week of me emailing a few places, I had booked an inspection for him and I found our apartment. So I found this really suspicious. Today when we were talking about trust, as this has been an issue while he said, fine, I'll come clean, I actually didn't email. I was so hurt by this. I asked him about this so many times and he lied straight to my face. I always offered to help and he said, no, it's fine. He could do it as it was easier as he was still living in the city. I was also stressed about us finding a place as we live in a really expensive city and I don't have a place to live when I move back. And so I was always really stressed. He also didn't come clean until I asked to look through his emails as I found this really weird and I thought he was telling the truth, but I just wanted to assure myself. So I didn't think he was lying all the time. Now, all these white lies are usually to save face, but they're still really helpful because he keeps lying. And now I'm not sure if I should snoop as when I asked to check his email is only when he decided to come clean. We did talk about this and he said it was because he has to do this with his mom to save face and stop an argument. I said maybe he should go to therapy about it, but he said no, it should be fine when he moves out with me. 
I am just not sure what to do and I'm asking for advice. I don't want to break up with him as we just signed our lease and I can't really afford to live there just on myself and I moved with him as it was my only option. I'm just not sure what to do as I've raised this with him many times since we started dating and it doesn't seem to get better and I just don't know if he's lying about anything else or if I can even fix this and if I should just leave in the end because it doesn't seem to be getting better. But I still love him so much so I want to stay with him forever. Please be really nice as I'm still really upset by this and I am quite sensitive. Thank you guys. Love you so much. Bye. What's your definition of a white lie? Not this. No. Nothing that you listed was a white lie. I was waiting for the white lie to come, but I was like, "Mm, these are are skyscrapers. Yeah, these are all lies. Him talking to his friend and then saying they slept together. And I didn't understand which part was the lie. Does he not? No, no. They had feelings about their boyfriend being friends with this girl who they had previously slept together. Mm -hmm. So the caller, they knew that they'd previously slept together and then he lied about them talking and okay, hanging out that's after not, that. That's not a white lie. No. And then the smoking thing, not a white lie, especially when you said that deal you... That is a, yeah, that's a deal breaker to you. That is not a white lie. That's like manipulative. Calling, not saying that you're calling places to move. That is not, none of these are white lies. No. And like, here's the thing. Like this is lying to save face is like very, very common. And I'm not going to say that, like, your relationship can't get through that, but at what cost? Because you have to think that, like, you're not living together yet. You just signed a lease. And it's like, okay, so what if he tells you a white lie about... Like an actual white lie of his time. No, I'm saying, like, a white, quote unquote, a white lie about, oh, yeah, I turned the oven off before I left the house. Or something that, like, now you're really financially and like spatially or, tied together. I paid rent. Yeah. So that to me, I'm like, these are not white lies, but I, the only you can't force him to change. The fact that he doesn't think that therapy will help to me means that he actually doesn't think this is a problem. And again, white lies to save face is something that happens with people who grew up in families where either they were the golden child and everything was like, they could do no wrong. And so if they ever did anything that they felt was wrong, they couldn't own up to it or that they were always scrutinized. And so it was like, I have to cover my own ass and do all of that. It's a really, really fucking common coping mechanism that goes into adulthood. But coping mechanisms aren't necessarily, the ones we have since childhood aren't necessarily healthy, nor do they serve us long-term. And the only way that we can evolve and grow and change is we have to personally recognize that our own coping mechanisms are no longer serving us and they're hurting more than they're helping. But if he doesn't think that and he thinks it'll just solve on its own when he moves out, that to me is like more of a red flag. And I think if he hadn't said that, my advice, if you can back out of this lease together now, like within a window. Before you move in. And I would look and see what the window is of that it's not just as soon as you sign the lease you have to pay to break it like there's contingency plans like there's fail safes and all of that like I would do that first because my whole thing is like I'm not going to commit on a concept of future you I'm going to no. commit on current you and I'm not it's not like I'm going to break up with if, if you don't want to break up like I it's not if it, me in this position if I'm being you and I'm saying that I don't want to break up with you that's fine but I I need to protect my assets and myself. And then I need to make sure that what you're saying you're going to be, you're going to be. And 
that's that's when things can move forward and like those life choices can move f- forward with this because yeah it's not a pleasant experience to deal with that and the way that you deal with something like this it's like it's making sure that the person knows that the truth is more valuable to you than telling the truth is more valuable than what the truth is so it's like I'm you can't really be upset when if you don't like what the truth is in the situation, in the circumstance, because it's the worry of, you know, disappointing or failing people or whatever. And that's again, that's like a process that shouldn't have to be done individually solely in a relationship. It should be like the figuring out the cause and effect and like, oh, if you fuck up at work, you can't just like lie and then you get caught in the lie. You can't teach someone that own that lesson yourself, but if you are taking on that accountability to do that and provide essentially free therapy for him, you do have to sacrifice a lot of your own feelings on it. So like you find out that he's lying about something or like he tells you something that is really fucked up or like hurts you or whatever, you can't be hurt. You have to be happy that he told you the truth. And that's not, that's the reason why significant others aren't your therapist because it's a really impossible position to put you in especially as a a roommate like if he fucks up something mm-hmm. and like tells you the truth about it and it involves your compromise and it's your living situation and in order to quote unquote teach him this lesson and positive reinforcement which is like the only like the way that it would work you then can't be upset and that's you're that's sacrificing so so fucking much of yourself for someone who doesn't really see it as a problem like I know you said that you're sensitive, but everything that you mentioned, thank you for the very specific. Yes. Oh, perfect. Explanations. These are red flags to me. Everything about this is a red flag. Everything. But like even saying that he looked at places and then lied about that. What what was the point? What was the reason? Does he actually not want to live together? Is he just like a man child and can't do anything on his own? And if he's lying about this, like, to you, someone that he loves, what's he lying about, like, in his everyday life with his work stuff, you know? And then that, again, sets you up because, let's say, he's constantly lying about things at work, too, and they find out about it and he gets fired, then you don't have half the income for your apartment. This is just not somebody I would want to spend my life with, somebody that's constantly lying, somebody that can't get an apartment for themselves, somebody that just isn't, they're just not pulling their weight. I know you love them, but that doesn't mean you have to be with somebody that you love. And I'm not saying break up, but he needs to go to therapy because he needs to get to the root of why he feels like he has to lie about everything. Well, and I would only consider one of these a lie. The other two, I would consider crossing your boundaries. Like you set a boundary of like, you are not comfortable about him having a relationship with like having a friendship with this person who like they've had slept, slept, they'd slept together. And if he wasn't okay with that, that would have been his boundary. But like lying, that it's lying and a boundary. That's what cross. I mean. But like, but then afterwards, I'm like, that wasn't, if that, he accepted your boundary and then lied about it. And to me, that's a boundary crossing. The smoking thing, another thing, boundary Mm -hmm. crossing. That's not lying. That's like levels and levels and levels above all of this. I would also note, like, what's his relationship like with his mom? Because if, is he expecting you to kind of come in and take the mommy reins Mm -hmm. in all of this? But then also, if someone will lie to you, 
they will most likely lie about you. Yes. And that's another part that like, you don't necessarily know how he talks about you to some other people. And it's just a lack of being able to take accountability. And in this, he's blaming his relationship with his mom for his reason why he couldn't do all of this. But when you tie yourself to a person like this, you can you can then become the scapegoat of, oh, I can't do this because my girlfriend said, like, blah, 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 whatever it is. And like, I just don't think that in the long term or in the big picture, like Melissa said, like love's not enough. Like it's not enough to be in a healthy relationship and partners, but more than that, to cohabitate and be in a legal agreement together. And then it's also like, you've been together a year and nine months and you're, you don't trust him. You don't trust him because you were snooping in his email. Not snooping, you were just No, you were figuring demanding out, to see it. Yes, and you were figuring out when... information. So when you see the emails, like, if you don't trust him, I'm sure, like, this early in, I mean, you've been together a good amount of time, especially at the ages that y'all are at. But, like, this just isn't someone that you should be building a foundation with when there's no foundation because there's so many cracks because it's not solid to begin with. Yeah, it's... And if you want to stay, you just have to like accept and know that like it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before and if it gets better. Mm-hmm. And like it's never going to get better with just you. It has the potential of getting better if he actually goes to therapy. And then I would also probably want to do couples therapy because you don't really trust him to be honest with you and you can bring that up and so like it's going to be a lot of time money energy and work and you can't want it for both of you he has to also want it and want to put not the relationship but like want to heal this and want to fix this and so I think it's easy for me to just be like break up like get out of this lease and like logistically if you can get out of this lease I do think it would be in your best interest that and I think I also think if you do want to salvage this relationship, salvage this relationship, I think it's going to be easier to do that if you're not within a financial legal agreement with him because that's going to it just ties you to him and it just it it really puts this situation in the incinerator. Like it really hypes up and the stakes are a lot higher and it's a lot harder to fix things when the stakes are that high. And so if this is something you want to commit to trying to fix for the next however many years, but just knowing that like there's no sure thing, it might not ever fix and it might get a lot worse. And you need to know yourself and to know where you're at to see like, okay, can I handle that? And like, if this isn't the perfect outcome and situation that I want am I willing to accept less? Like, what am I willing to accept? And right now, this to me is like all glaring, glaring red flags that like the only way that you can work through this and move past this is if he is not only an active participant, but he is the one like leading this change because it's him. It's not you. And people can change. And I fully believe that. But I just don't know that he's ready or willing to accept that he needs to change. And I don't think that there's nothing, I know there's nothing you can say or can do that can make him realize that. He has to realize that on his own time. And what timeline are you okay with? So maybe set your a timeline for yourself. If you can't get out of this lease, set a timeline for yourself that it's like, I'm not going to push him. I'm going to, he knows how I feel about this relationship. And it's like this, something needs to change. And 
I'm not going to feel comfortable or safe in this relationship until then. And like, yeah, it's going to, it's going to fucking change our day-to-day interactions living together. And I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to do that. Like he has to take his own initiative. And if it's not within a year, I'm going to, I'm going to be done and I'm going to take myself off the lease or whatever, but you can't handhold him through it. He has to like, he has to open the door. He has to be the one propelling all of this. And he's not. And that really sucks. And I feel for you. And on paper, if you didn't give us the examples, this to me is also indicative of a bigger issue of someone crossing your boundaries. And also when someone's lying, the truth that you find out, you don't know that that's the whole truth Mm -hmm. either. Like this is the truth that you could stomach telling me when push came to shove between a rock and a hard place. This might not be the whole full truth. So any man who is like so anti-anti-therapy while being like, yeah, it's my mom's fault, but I'm not going to therapy. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I want to. But if you're so self-aware that it's your mom's fault, then you should know that there are solutions. Like, Well, that's what I mean. Like, that's why I don't think that you, he believes that it, yeah. it's yeah, anyone's it's fault just, but him. I just don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. And that's like no way to like live. That they will. He's like, oh, I heard mommy issues were a thing. So. Yeah, so it, banked it here it is I'm using it but then also like well what would his it's just very antiquated like gendered role like of like oh so like daddy issues go to therapy mommy issues like I just heard about that on reddit and like there's no nothing working Mm -hmm. through that it's like what so yeah I would I would really rephrase these as white lies to boundary crossing and I would guess that um, he was the one who called them white lies yeah I feel like there are things that you need to find yeah I do agree. Uh, you've got our full permission to snoop. Phone, email, Postmates, mm-hmm. Venmo, 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 Snapchat. Venmo gets a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Visco. TikTok. Mm-hmm. Foursquare. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. And this is this is a, a lot. And I would also encourage you to go to therapy if you're not oh, in yeah. therapy. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. Next call. Woohoo. Hey, Megan and Melissa. I'm 21 years old, she, her, and I recently got out of a five-year on-and-off relationship which started in high school. He was my first boyfriend and first everything. I'm starting to put myself back out there and get on dating apps again, and I wanted to call in and ask for advice about casual hookups. Right now, my future is kind of unknown. I'm graduating university this spring, and I'm waiting to hear if I'll get into grad school, so I'm not really in the place to get into something serious because I don't even know which city I'll be living in later this year. I've had a few casual hookups when me and my ex were on breaks, and one since we've broken up permanently recently. However, I have never had a good casual hookup, not even an okay hookup. I have masturbated and finished with myself and had great sex and finished with my ex, but casual hookups have never felt good or been enjoyable for me. I'm a shy person, so I don't know if it's me being too nervous in the moment to really get into it or what, but I wanted to ask for your advice about how to feel more comfortable with casually hooking up with people, or if there's ways to make sure that they are more enjoyable. I don't think I'm the type of person who needs an emotional connection with someone to enjoy sex, because I don't feel emotional attachments to the guys that I have wanted to casually hook up with, but maybe I do. I have no idea. Um, But any advice is appreciated. I love the podcast so much and I look forward to listening every week. I love your voice. Yeah, it's very 
calming. No, like I don't even like ASMR, but like you could read me the dictionary and like I just that just sent like that was like a weighted blanket. Like that was like your your tone of your everything so soothing. Mm. I think you just had bad casual sex and that's why you're apprehensive about it. Um if you if that's some people just aren't wired like they yeah. don't want to have casual sex but you seem open to it and it just hasn't been good. I think with casual sex, I think a lot of times when people have sex for the first time with anybody, it's kind of performative. Like you're showing and doing things that you think the other person wants or wants to see or wants to hear, but it's not necessarily things that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go into it knowing that you're there also for your pleasure. It's not a show. And so... You might be a little apprehensive if you want to have casual sex. You can still have casual sex with friends or people that you're comfortable with mm -hmm. if that's going to be better for you. So, you know, maybe like knowing the person a little bit before you actually have sex with them or and actually this is an and son or you need them both together. Go into it seeking your pleasure. You know, you said that you've masturbated with an ex. So if that's something that excites you then do that. Don't like think of this when you have casual sex, you got to think about it like the fifth time you're having sex with somebody you're in a relationship with. When you're a little bit more comfortable, you know the person's body, but because you don't actually know your their body, you got to kind of take mm -hmm. your time, figure out what they like, but also keep in mind what you like and be vocal about it. Don't fake it. Don't say that feels good when it doesn't actually feel it, you could not feel anything. You have to say and show them what you like because it's casual. You're not building an emotional bond. Emotional bond does take sex to another level, mm -hmm. but that's not what you want. So you have to think about the other things that bring you enjoyment. Yeah. And I, I think like you mentioned that you're like, I don't think it's there. I need to be, have an emotional attachment because there are people who like I want to have sex with who I don't have an emotional attachment with. The people you've had casual sex with before... I would like look back and do an inventory of like, why did I have sex? Like mm -hmm. were, if I saw them walking down the street, like, did I think they were really attractive? Did I think they were, this is going to sound really bad, but like, did I think they were really funny? Did they have great personalities? But like, I'm not trying to get to know them or mm -hmm. whatever. And then suddenly like, oh, when push came to shove, like, I think I like you as a person, but I'm not in a, not in a sexual way. And now we're having sex. So like, what was the, what was the driving factor of those people that you did have casual sex with before? Because I think a huge part of enjoying sex is not just sex. It's like the lead up to that. And even when it's just a casual hookup, that's, you know, you're dancing at a bar together. Like there is like that kind of chemistry there. And I'm someone where like I need, <laughs> I either need to like, I don't need to really know you. Like I'm like, I need to find you hot, but you can't talk too much because then I'm going to feel like, well, now I fucking need to know because now you've got a neutral personality, but now I need to categorize you and mm -hmm. then that will shift it for me. Or I need to like, know you know you. And so for, I need like, I would be more inclined, like I had like hooked up with friends. And to me, that was a little bit easier. And then having, hooking up with someone because I'm like, very rarely am I going to be like immediately really attracted to someone, like want to have sex with them. And like, I've, you know, done without like specifically having, I, mean, I think I've had a, I don't know, whatever. But like, that there's kind of a fine line between I'm thinking about you as a person 
versus I'm thinking about us as some people who are going to have sex. And so like you kind of have to teeter and figure out where you fall in that. And it is a spectrum. And then when you're like, how are you meeting? How are you meeting these people? How are you meeting up with them? And there should be like a lot of chemistry and sexual tension and build Mm -hmm. up to actually enjoying the sex. Like the whole process should be sexy. If you're trying to like, like uh, like a quickie, like smash and go, all of that. That to me, that's a friend, someone you know, friends with benefits. That's like you rip your clothes off real quick, like pound it out and you're out because you already know each other. So I think that like, it's not dating in the casual way, but like there has to be enough time to yeah. build up the arousal of it. And then if you want to get into like the regular smash and go kind of thing like that's what that's a fuck buddy like that's there's a difference between that the people that i've had just like casual sex with they for me they've had to be like insanely attractive to me because like nothing else needs to get me going yeah (laughs) and like and i can be in relationships with people that aren't like somebody that i don't instantly feel a physical attraction to but then as I get to know them then the attraction builds but that's that's you know those are you have to figure out where your line is with that yeah and I'm someone who like I would not say that I need an emotional connection to have sex with someone but that's like me talking in big picture but Mm -hmm. if I look back on my dating history and everything like that yes I don't need that but it's far more likely for me that I'm going to have an emotional connection that feeds along with an attraction, regardless of the emotional connection is romantic or just friendship. Like it's just pretty rare for me to like see. And obviously when I was single, but to like meet someone, think that like they were really hot and then like immediately go and like hook up with them. Like I'm a very talkative person. Like I, I tend to kind of do all of that. And so even though I wouldn't consider or like, tell a partner that like, oh, I need to have an emotional. And I have friends who are demisexual and it's like, you know, a conversation that they'll have where it's like, I don't experience sexual attraction in, in their specific case. I don't experience sexual attraction until there's a romantic or friendship really deep, like a deeper relationship bond. I would not say that I have that at all, but I can also like recognize that like, oh, I don't need to be in a relationship or to be in love with you to have sexual feelings to you, but tend to be more comfortable around my friends or people that I, I've known for a little bit longer. So I don't think it's as black and white as you need an emotional connection. Because I also think that there's something about feeling like safe with the person that you're sleeping with too. And that's not an emotional connection. That's just a feeling of comfort and and safety. And we can equate that a lot with friendship and romance. And it doesn't have to be that, but you do have to kind of talk to someone a little bit long enough or be in a situation where you're safe. Here, I've, I've known people an hour and I've fucked them. But like, but I I did have conversations about like, yeah. When was the last time that you were tested? Mm-hmm. And sex gets better with time. Like there are a few people who I've like made out with and immediately I'm making out with them. I was like, holy shit, I want to have sex mm-hmm. with you. And then there are people who I've been really fucking attracted to. And then we've hooked up, we've had sex and I've been like, Ugh. Ugh. like yeah. so it is kind of just like a trial and error yeah. thing. Like, these are just like sweaty bodies smashing together. And it's not always. I don't sweat. I glisten. Oh, nice. I also don't want to say like <laughs> you got to put those 10,000 hours in because, you know, sex is something that have as much or as little casual sex or not casual sex as you want. But 
you need to feel safe and you need to feel comfortable. And if the goal is having good casual sex, it's... I get more into fuck buddy territory then. Yeah. And this is so bad. This is like, I would get into fuck buddy territory, but I would specifically ask your friends about the fuck buddies they've had and who's been the best in bed. Like, that's when I'm like, share the little black book. Like, find out (laughs) who's fucking good. Like, who's great in bed. Like, if you have any... If you have any friends who've like slept with someone or they know someone is like great and like and you gotta make sure that they're okay with oh without a doubt but like I remember like one of my friends and I in high school we both like slept with like the same guy and she found out we had I like what didn't tell anyone we hooked up and she found out and she pulled me in the closet I was like oh my god she mad and she goes we gotta talk about it and I was like oh I'm like oh we're just like gal paddling about like having sex with like the same dude and there are some people who are kind of known for being like a fuck buddies of, of people in that sense. So, you know, ask, or I, I would, I would like ask your friends or, you know, how their fuck buddy kind of relationships are. But again, also like first time I've had like sex with fuck buddies, it's like, you know, it's good, but it's not, it's n- comparing it to having sex in a long-term relationship with someone who like knows how to make you come with like fucking a snap and a blink. It's just going to be different because that wasn't probably the first time with your partner mm-hmm. either. Like it takes a while. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying with folk buddies. If you, you, build, you, it up. you build it up and you figure things out and you see what works and what works for the two of you. So like there's time to figure it out. Yeah. Honestly, I would find a fuck buddy of someone who has been in a long-term monogamous relationship and got out of a relationship. No, if you, if you, if you want someone, because if you think about this and this doesn't have to be monogamous, but I mean, in the sense of someone, how your, your ex just knows exactly how to get you there. You might find comfort with someone who is used to that or but I'm has thinking had a lot of about- sex some of the calls that we've had actually a lot of the calls that we've had where people are like i've been in this relationship and oh the God. sex sucks You're and so, right. so i, I take it all back cause, no because when you mm-hmm. it could you could be where like they're they've been in a relationship for so long that, that they they're know. just they, they didn't know yeah, they weren't 21. told uh-huh. i take it all i take all that back find someone who's had sex with a lot of people and has a lot of happy customers like, I think that, I mean, at 21, it might be a little hard to find somebody. But I mean, that's been with a lot of people. What's your definition of a lot? Like over 30 at 21. That's a lot. That's like a lot, a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's just gonna, it's going to be, you know, yeah. try it out. See if you like it. If they can, if you feel like they can improve with notes, do it again. If you don't move on. Yeah. There is something really sexy about like a guy who has game and a lot of the time guys have game because they got they the swagger because you know they they can talk the game because they they can walk the walk seal the deal uh-huh. and so that's another like this is i, if I would you're trying, go to a bar yeah so if you're trying to like get laid and have great casual sex i wouldn't go for like the dorky guy who like turns out to be like oh you would have never had guests or whatever like i think you should go for someone who their confidence is really arousing and sexy to you because that's someone who's going to be forward. And if that's something that is attracted, you have to go for what you're attracted to and what arouses you in the moment, not like the long term. Some of the best safe sex, well, some of the best sex, all the sex has been safe. Some of the best- oh, I like it wasn't safe, but it was good. Some of the best casual sex that I've had has gone from me going to a, a male gay bar 
and then the straight guys or bisexual guys that are in that bar. And I f- they're a little bit more confident about who they are. You feel, I feel a little bit safer because I know that they're, yeah, <laughs> they feel yeah. comfortable around gay men. Mm-hmm. And then like, that's where I've, I've, I've met the better of the casual sex partners. Good casual sex is confident sex. Mm-hmm. And like, you're really confident in your, but you can't be confident enough for, for two people. Yeah. So like, find a guy who can talk the talk, walk the walk, find a, a, someone who has game, someone mm-hmm. who has like, swag is not just how someone talks or someone walks. Like the reason why they talk and walk like that, like the definition of what it boils down to is like, you look like you are a good fucker. Like that's literally what that is. Mm -hmm. Like that's what you're trying. And even if you don't realize that like, oh, that's what it's like. When someone's like, oh, he's got swag. Like it's (laughs) literally like, I think you would be great putting Mm -hmm. your penis in parts of my body. Like some people might surprise you and be confident and not have like exactly what you think that you're like, looking for or what your textbook definition of a casual hookup is but to start I would go for the people who are the most confident and know that it's trial and error yeah and saying exactly like saying what you want bringing a vibrator in like and also with casual sex like you can be as like weird and as fucking freaky as you want oh yeah you can always do that in a relationship but like but it's kind of like it's kind of like I might need to ease in it into yeah, it because I'm like, like I like them a lot and, you know, I'm not sure if they're into this one thing. Yeah, but... but or you might have to backtrack where yeah. you're like, oh, actually not like that anymore. Like, I was just trying. I was being... I was in a silly, goofy mood. I like to just casually throw out a few of mine, like, in casual conversations as a little jokey joke. And then they're like... Yeah, I got into it. picked up what you dropped up. Good text conversation. Hey! <laughs> Earlier this week. I thought you were going to say today. And I was like, that's why you're in a good mood this morning. <laughs> that would have been really early. I know. I was like, damn. This is, you're like, I've been working getting up earlier. I'm like, you know, different time zone. Got a sex, got a sex in a worldwide. But yeah, a worldwide. I was dropping some of this, my yeah. things. And then they were picking it up and getting a little excited. And so. It's pretty easy to tell yeah. once you start giving it. And mm-hmm. like. A lot of people, especially when it comes to relationships, like want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And that's totally fine. But if I'm like looking to get my clit licked, like I can't have it be like, ooh, like, no. like okay, no, like cut the bullshit. Mm-mm. Like for sexting, we're sexting. Like mm-hmm. let's, let's, yeah. I need you to match my horny level. Like I'm not yeah. playing coy here and batting my fucking eyelashes. Mm-hmm. So like I need you to stop doing that with yours. Yep. So it might be a different type of, of a guy that you're, than normally like you want to date or you're normally attracted to. Yeah. You know, it's different. Oh my god, I'm so excited for you. This is so fun. Be safe. Get regularly tested. Make sure your partners are also being regularly tested and not just word of mouth. You guys should be showing yep. each other your results, physical Have papers. A screenshot on your phone. Oh, and that's I want perfect. Sc- not even a screenshot. I want like the actual document know, from the doctor. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. Woohoo! Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rose irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market in our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available. And I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like... <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like, you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is, it's kind of like a, a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress and as well there are reading challenges and rewards 
And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this, I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got The Ministry of Time by Killian Bradley. And we also received The Return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like, people are calling it like, if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller and 100% multifaceted joyride. <gasps> when I tell you that I was like sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns. But that isn't the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. And we're back. And to the rest of the calls. Hello, Mr. and Megan. Okay, so I'm just going to get into it because it's kind of a long story. So everyone in this situation is an 18 or 19-year-old female and uses she, her pronouns. For some background, my hometown friend group since ninth grade includes 12 people, and we are all now freshmen in different colleges, so it's our first time not being in the same school as one another. Now, the other day during break, my friends Sarah, Alyssa, Morgan, and Susan and I all went to dinner to celebrate Rachel's birthday since everyone else in our friend group had gone back to school. During dinner, we were all reminiscing about our beach trip that took place last summer and have since decided we want to go again this summer. When I brought this up, Rachel said that she would love to go, but she said she didn't want to invite our other friend, Gracie, because last time she felt Gracie was purposely excluding her when we broke off into smaller groups, since half of the time, half of the people wanted to go shopping, while the other half, including me, just wanted to go out on the beach. Morgan, Alyssa, and Sarah also piped in saying that they felt Gracie's personality was off-putting, since often at group hangouts, she complains about wanting to leave and doesn't really talk to half of the group, making them feel like she doesn't really like them. Susan, who is my best friend, felt shocked by this because it was the first time she's heard of it, and I was also shocked because while this has been brought up to me before, it's never been brought up to the point where they complain for 20 minutes and talk about details of what she's done. For example, clinging on to one member of the group who wasn't part of the conversation. And they also mentioned that sometimes when she hugs people that she likes, she kind of just glares at the other people in the group, which I've never seen, but mentioned that. The problem is that Susan and I are pretty close to Gracie and hang out with her as a group of three pretty often. While I've noticed Gracie's annoyance at bigger group hangouts, I've always seen it as her feeling overstimulated by 
our chaotic group since it is like 12 people in the group. Susan and I are usually the ones who plan entire group events, including our summer vacation, but after this, we're considering planning it when we know Gracie will be out of town, instead of causing more drama by telling her we just don't, a lot of people don't want her there. But I don't know how that's going to go over with Gracie, because I do know that she kind of really enjoyed this beach trip. How do you think we should approach this trip and our friendship with her? I don't necessarily want to stop being friends with Gracie, because I know, like, all my friends pretty well. But also, Rachel mentioned that she doesn't really want to be friends with people who are close with someone who makes her feel bad, which isn't really lost on me. Any thoughts on or advice on this would be great. Also, since I still have time, I didn't bring this up at the dinner, but Gracie has told me that she doesn't like Rachel because she finds her annoying, but they've never had a big argument and are pretty cordial to one another at group hangouts, and at one point, I'm pretty sure they used to be friends. So I wasn't really sure how to go about this situation. And I also thought Alyssa and Gracie were pretty close because they do hang out with each other a lot, but I guess not. Any advice on this? would be great, and I've been listening to the show for forever, and I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye. Forever, you're 18. Psycho- yeah, that's a little <laughs> alarming. I'm just afraid for what you heard in uh-huh. your youth. But psychologically, I don't know if you know this, you gave someone the name, I mean, I know that you know that you gave someone the name Rachel, which is an automatic assumption of villain, but one of my good friends is named Gracie, so you just have to know I'm going into this. Psychologically, this, this has been manipulated for me. You have two options. <laughs> Can I have a question before? Uh-huh. 12 people is a lot of people to have in a group of friends. Like That's a big-ass Airbnb. That's a big-ass group, and I'm surprised more than half of people don't hate each other because... They do. Yeah, but, like, this is just too many, pe- too many people, too many personalities. This is why we say, like, you should not have big friend groups because everybody is not going to like each other. No. So my two options, exactly what you're saying, though. One, you wait it out because this will implode Mm -hmm. and it's inevitable. It's only a matter of if and when and what role you partake in it. Or B, you pick a side. Yeah. Because I don't... And I think it has to be B. it, It has to be B and you can't not pick a side. There are sides being picked and I'm letting you know right now, everybody who was at that dinner participated in that conversation, they picked their side. Yep. And even if like, oh, well, I thought this, this, and this. Nope, they picked their side because there are people who can account for what they said there and then go back and tell Gracie. So even if they decided they wanted to switch sides, they don't have the power to do that anymore once they started talking shit. So if you choose to plan this for when she's not there to avoid talking to her about this, you were at that dinner. You heard what people said. You, you are implicated in that. You picked a side. Mm-hmm. You invite her and you tell everyone like to fuck. Like, I think if you really want to avoid talking about this and like bringing it up to her and like causing whatever, then you have to be like, no, she's going to come. And then if shit hits the fan and it's like, well, we didn't even want you here, blah, blah, blah. She's going to find out that you knew that and you brought her into a situation where people didn't want her to be there. So you have been against your will (laughs) implicated in all of this shit. And the only thing that you, the only control and power you have at this moment is what you do with that information. And we have both said someone being annoying is enough of a reason to not be friends with them. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to be friends there because you think she's annoying, great. If you look on this situation and think, well, I think that like, you know, she might not be the best person in groups, but <laughs> all of you are just sit- shit talking someone else in a group. So are you better in a group than right. she is? Like, 
Would you prefer her shit talking you? Yeah. So anyone who's going to feel comfortable, and this is why big group, friend groups of this, like people can't really form really great close bonds. And if they do, it's not universal between everyone. And so what kind of friend would you rather have? And like, what friend would you rather have if you were Gracie? Because you can be Gracie at any fucking point in time. Mm -hmm. You can be someone who's annoying. You can be whatever. And like, you recognize that you thought that she maybe was overstimulated, which tells me you either also get overstimulated or you have some sort of knowledge or secondhand experience with that. And you're, you, it might not be wildly different than what the rest of your friends have. And so it's like, oh, okay. So if I was in a situation like this and now do I have to second guess all of my actions and how I behave? That's clearly not malicious and very much a me thing. Are they going to take this and then talk shit about me? Like, who's a good friend here? And like, you also... And what's your definition of a good friend? Because you named Su Susan as your best friend. Mm -hmm. Like, you also don't have to... This isn't like a 50-50 side that you have to pick. It can just be like, you know, I really didn't like how that dinner went down with like... And like, you can let them know, like, I really didn't like how you talked about like Gracie and like you know, she's like really great. And I'm gonna, I, I just think that that was like really not nice. And I think that like, you know, make, it makes me second guess how you would talk, how you talk about me when I'm not there. And then you remain friends with Gracie and Susan and maybe Alyssa. I'm only naming them once that I remember. So like, you don't have to pick a 50-50 side, but by not doing anything, you're picking Rachel's side. Yeah. And that's okay if you know that that's what you're doing. But then if you're gonna do that, then you should actually do it. And uh, it's much better to let someone know, hey, heads up, they're, they don't want to be friends with you anymore versus icing someone out slowly over time. Because as someone who has been on the receiving end of the psychological icing out of a friend group kind of thing, that creates a cycle of what the fuck is going on? I'm crazy. So much self-doubt. And that it is all I, <laughs> I would always fucking rather someone just be like, I'm done or ghost me than like trickling on as friends. And Rachel says that she doesn't want anyone to be friends. She doesn't want to be friends with Gracie more and doesn't want anyone who's going to be friends with Gracie. And it doesn't seem like Gracie's feeling like that. And so like, who's a better person at the end of the day? Right. Also, and I'm not trying to be mean, but after this is y'all's freshman year, after your sophomore year, everybody's going to want to do their own thing anyway. And I don't think that everybody's going to still be friends with each other. Everybody's going to make new friends because y'all are all at different schools. So this might be the last trip, to be honest. And I, I would just like invite everybody. And I would also kind of give Gracie the heads up because she shouldn't be trusting these bitches. And then no. you being there and let's say let's say one of the other girls is like a defector of the group. You know, she's like, oh, I actually felt bad about what I said. And then goes back to Gracie and tells Gracie everything that happened. And you were there and you get impl in, implicated with the rest of them. If you want to be a good friend, I'd tell I'd, I'd give her a heads up. Also, I just I would have my guard up because I wouldn't trust any of these bitches. No, I would. I would. I agree in the sense that, like, I think everyone needs to go and you need to give Gracie a heads up. Mm -hmm. Like, I've talked shit about people behind their backs and, like, learned from it and regretted it. And, like, my whole thing is I'm not going to say anything that I wouldn't say to your face. Mm -hmm. And so if you find out and there are people who've, like, come to me, like, oh, I heard you said this. And I'm like, well, yeah, we haven't had an opportunity to talk about it. And, like, I'm not going to at this point in my life. But, like, I've been 
I'm not, I don't want to equate you to being a teenager, but like to your friends being like, I've talked shit about and it come back and bite me in the ass. And I'm like, wow, I feel bad about that. I'm going to not do that anymore. But like, you can't control the narrative, even if you didn't participate, like you were there and you heard it. So you either go give Gracie a heads up or you don't go. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you and Gracie your- go on a different trip yeah. and Susan and whoever yeah. else you actually trust go on a different trip. But like, I would also give the people at the dinner heads up and be like, hey, I didn't think what y'all did was cool. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable about this. It made me feel so uncomfortable. I called into a podcast yeah. about it. It's a great podcast. You should listen. Yeah. They're very beautiful. But like this just, it didn't sit well with me. And so like, I feel like Gracie needs to know how y'all feel. So like, I'm going to tell her. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Gracie doesn't like Rachel. Rachel doesn't like Gracie. Like that's all fine. But you can't weaponize your friend group against and then in like use that to get someone uninvited mm-hmm. or not to plan a trip around when they're going to be there or not. That's yeah. just, it's not a good look. And like, you are who you surround yourself with. So like, who do you want to be associated with in these circumstances and situations? And like Melissa said, you might not even be friends with any of them in a year's time. But I think, how do you want to enjoy, not to put a timeline on, but like, how do you want to potentially enjoy like one of the last years of your childhood, your intact childhood friend group? And or how do you want to spend like a huge transitional year from teenage years into adulthood to kind of set the tone for Mm -hmm. your adult, your young adult relationships and like the kinds of people you're, you allow yourself to be, you choose to surround yourself with. Yep. But again, you pick the name Gracie and the name Rachel. So it's inevitable. And Alyssa's a little too close to my name. And also Susan, you just picked a random name. And so we were rooting for the underdog. I was like, like, grandma, Susan, aunt Susan. So, you know, I'm partial to Gracie. I got a Gracie. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Next one is a write-in. So we had a a special situation. Everybody don't write in. But if you have a special situation where you want to write in, let us know. Yeah, and explain the Explain the reasons, yeah. Hi, Eminem plus team. I have a physical disability, a speech impairment, and use a mobility device, and I live in Canada. My pronouns are she, her. I'm 26, and I'm writing in so you can understand my story clearly. I've been living independently for eight years and would like advice about becoming a sugar baby to support myself financially. In my province, the government assistance and post-secondary aid I receive monthly barely covers my expenses. I would get cut off from welfare if I get a traditional job and a guy he him messaged me last week offering to be my sugar daddy and will pay me in gifts and cash. The opportunity sounds great, but I have limited dating slash sexual experience as a straight disabled woman and need advice on what to consider before making a decision. We both are up to date with STI testing and COVID-19 vaccinations, so this is reassuring. Food inflation rates are ridiculously high and increasing, plus social welfare supports are oppressive and ableist. Is this an example of an ethical scam? Would love to hear for other listeners how they are coping in this economy. Happy 2023, everyone. Sending gratitude for the advice. Sexy Virgo on wheels. (laughs) (laughs) I love a sexy Virgo. Mm -hmm. I love Virgos. Okay, so disclaimer, I've never been a sugar baby. and, And neither have I. So I think you take what we say with a grain of salt and like a huge aspect of my advice is going to be like seek out advice because it's not even just advice from people who've been in this, but personal experience and 
there is kind of just a level of, for someone who's been doing this for years, they can give you kind of an accurate representation of how many people who they reach out to or how many people reach out to them and what the percentage of it being legitimate and like how to know if something, like what are the fail safes and things you can do to protect yourself? Mm -hmm. They're going to know that from personal experience. And like, again, they'll, they'll have the actual data and proof of concept of how many times they've done this and all of that. Yeah. So there's, I will say there's a podcast called the Sletrepreneur podcast, which I would listen title. to. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is, uh, do I think it's an ethical scam? Um, yes. I don't even know if I would call sex work a scam it's a, it's in a general, scam. but no. I think sex work is ethical. It can be, it, if it, it's done if it, can, it can be ethical and empowering mm -hmm. and very valid and should be, not only destigmatized, but like, you know, decriminalized all of it. Like I'm big advocate of that. But in this instance, I think the first thing that I would do is I would require money to keep talking to me. Like I wouldn't, I would, there needs to be some, some money exchanged because sugar babying isn't just money in exchange transactional after sex. It is an ongoing financial relationship that, most people will, I mean, people who have, a lot of people will say that it doesn't involve intimacy, but it does a lot of vast mm -hmm. majority of the time. So there needs to be a proof of funds. <laughs> like as if you're getting, I need to know that you actually have money and you're willing to spend it on the other aspects of sugar babying, where it's like, we're texting, we're talking on the phone, like whatever, like it's, because if it's purely transactional for photos and things like that, to me, I would be like OnlyFans, something where you're not meeting up with someone. Like if you're trying to treat every sexual interaction as transactional and it's not, you're not willing to give some money ahead to like, you know, prove that this is something that you want to do. That's, there's, that's the difference between sugar babying. It's taking care of someone financially, however much they have, but like, but if it's purely transactional based on photos, videos, sexual encounters, I think that is something that is more suited for OnlyFans or someone that someone that you know is safe and also good for the money. Like, because doing that digitally, they have to pay on a mm -hmm. platform first. So that's the first thing that I, I would do. And I would also like... Uh, you didn't say where you met because like if it's seeking arrangements to me, that's much more likely than if someone's just slid into your DMs. And I think that a really unfortunate thing to kind of also recognize is I would also seek out sex workers who are disabled and how they deal with, or it doesn't even have to be people who are disabled. It can be people who of different, they don't even have to be a part of different religious backgrounds, but people who do content that is like specifically catered based on their race, based on their religious identity and something where it's how you're physically presenting yourself by choice or by not. And people who like fat sex workers, sex work with whatever it is to talk about the safeties and like trans sex workers, people who talk about the safeties of where the line is between the dangers of the, 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 fine or whatever you're comfortable with the level of fetishization and then the level of where does that become potentially a red flag and I can't tell you that and most people are only going to be able to tell you that within their own community but I think it's and your own 
feelings towards it too. Yeah. And I I would really like get a lot of information from a lot of different people and then see what, how you feel. And it, there's no way to specifically feel, but to kind of gauge all of that, because that's a really unfortunate part is that kinks are harmless. Fetishes can be harmless and they cannot be, and they can lead to unsafe situations if you're specifically meeting up with people in real life. And so I think that's another thing to like factor in what your comfort level is. Like, I guess my only advice is just to do as much research as humanly possible before you get into any situation. And then even when you, if you are meeting up in person, it's going out to dinner first and it's in public and you have a friend who's at the restaurant as well. Like you have, like your friends have your app, like tracking and you suss out and gauge if this person feels safe and also knowing that that person might pass all that with flying colors, but like there is still a risk there and doing what you can to mitigate the risk long-term and short-term. Yeah, agree with all that. But even before you get to any of that, I would write down what you're willing and Mm -hmm. feel comfortable doing. Make a list just for yourself. And then you should also go to him and and y'all should like talk about what you're okay with doing and what he's okay with doing and like the limitations on what that is as well. Because you don't want to get into a situation where he's expecting something and you're not expecting that or you're expecting something and that's not what he wants because then that can set you up for something that's uncomfortable and could potentially be dangerous too. Yeah. I also wouldn't be really transparent about your financial situation with yeah, him. Yeah, no, no, no. Because uh, we've heard so often about how people will use that. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea to write down what you're comfortable with and tell him, write it down and then have him send you his list. Mm-hmm. And then if there's anything on his that you're like, no, Absolutely not. then it's not even telling him no, that you're not going to do that thing. It's just no overall. Because I, well, I, I depending on the level, I'm saying depending on the level of what it is, like if it's something that like, it makes you sick to your stomach, yeah, it makes it your makes skin you crawl, or... it makes you feel real. like there, there are certain things that are non-negotiable, even if they're willing to like, oh no, 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 it's okay, fine. There are certain things that like, if that you're not going to be able, that's yeah. unsafe. I meant like things like if, if, and I'm going to make it very simple. Yeah. If like he wants his nipple pinched and oh, you yeah. aren't into that and you say, I'm not into that. And he's like, okay, that's fine with me. Yeah. But if, if it, it's something like that's gro like so grotesque that like to you, mm-hmm. to you, cause I'm not going to kink shame anybody, but it's so like grotesque or it's just something you don't feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And it's like so over the top that you're like, I couldn't see myself with being with anyone that's into this yeah. thing then yeah, then that's a no. But if it's something yeah. small, then like it's it's a business deal. It's a negotiation mm-hmm. at first. Yeah, it's just about knowing that you're going to have to kind of hyper read into a lot of things and because your safety is on the line. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the part that it's like, I would get multiple eyes on it. Like I would ha- be like, show it to a friend. I would, if there's any sort of shame or things that you feel like you need to hide in this, I would I would work through that first because in order to set up the most safe option, which is never going to be 100% safe, you can't be the only one who knows who you're seeing and where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so until you can feel comfortable sharing it with people who are able to be at your aid in your city quickly, 
if something were to go wrong and who are looking out for you constantly, it's just not the time yet. And it's building up to that. But it's a really hard thing to be dealing with, like, you know, the economy and a recession. And it's even harder to be disabled and have a cap on the income Mm -hmm. that you can make. There is so there are so few options. And so I don't think that this is something that you should rule out. I think regardless of your if you're disabled or not disabled or if you're wealthy or not, like I I think anyone can do sex work who wants to do sex work. But I think if you feel like this is your only option, I would maybe put feelers out for some other organizations or groups of ways to make extra income from home, make extra income with cash, make extra income in whatever it is in that way. So you're able to make ends meet and any money you made from this would be additional, not something you need. Because when we get to that crossroads of financial distress and need-based, like what you need in this, you might end up in situations that you're not comfortable with and you don't feel safe in. There's great like TikToks and Instagrams of people talking about, I don't know what your food preferences are or if you have dietary restrictions, but there are lots of ones of like people who are doing quote unquote recession core meals and like learning how to save money on food and things like that. And so there are certain things that I've been following and we're obviously in very different situations, but just learning different ways to kind of like save money, to allocate money for Mm -hmm. other things. And in our young adult, adult lives or whatever, this is like our first economic downturn as a world. I know that there's something that that brings people together as opposed to like when you're financially facing individual financial hardship. Right now, everyone is. So there are so many articles, there's resources online, people doing all these recipes and all of this kind of stuff. And I think you asking the question about like, how are other people getting through that? Like, if you're part of our Facebook group, if you're not, message us. We'll we'll get you to the front of the line. But I think it'd be great for people to respond in on how they're doing that on whether it's how they're making side money or how they're saving mm-hmm. money. All right. Well, now it's time for another break. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. back and it is time for don't blame them where a listener calls in and gives their own advice pertaining to a call that they heard on a previous episode i almost said a previous podcast like just a different there's calling to tell us about dax shepherd's podcast anyways maybe they have personal experience maybe um they are a professional in the field that we talked about or just maybe they're impassioned and they love the sound of their own voice which is a relatable uh thing to me Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'm calling for a don't blame them for the episode titled Trainer Set Me Up with His Brother-in-Law. This is for the caller who's in a science field who's having trouble finding a job. I've been working in engineering for a long time now. I've mentored college students how to get a job. I've worked with recruiters. I'll leave my email with Megan and Melissa if you would like to contact me, but definitely get your LinkedIn profile up to date. I would say to apply for a job at a company and then find a recruiter from that company, message them and say specifically, hey, I applied for this job. 
this is the rec number, I'd really like to talk to you about it. Apply for jobs that you're not qualified for. Men are likely to apply for a job when they only meet about 30% of the requirements where women feel like they have to meet 100% of the requirements. Uh, let's say you work in physics, apply for a chemistry job, a biology job, an engineering job, an astronomy job. Apply for any job. Might also recommend applying for a company that's pretty big, maybe a thousand people or more. That way, maybe the job you start out with isn't the job you want, but you can get your way into the job that you want. Also, to know when you do eventually get a job offer, negotiate your salary, negotiate your time off, negotiate your sign-on bonus. They do relocation, negotiate that. Women are also far likely to negotiate it all. Go get your bag and uh, email me if you'd like. Have a good day. Bye. See, if we had money, we could send money to this person. I fucking love this community. Yeah. That's so kind and so helpful. And my fucking TikTok was listening to me after that. And I got like got fed this on my For You page, this TikTok of this woman who works in HR in her company. And she was talking about how everyone should download, who's looking for a job should download LinkedIn on their phone. And she was like, you can send a message at any point in time. She goes, you let me know. And like, DM the head of the company. She's like, I'm the head of the fucking department. No, she wasn't HR. She was the head of the department of whatever. And she goes, the amount of times people will message me and be like, I see you work here. This is why I'd be a great fit for this. And she was like, it's so ballsy to send. She's like, send our fucking CEO a LinkedIn. I'm like, do you know how ballsy that? How many people have gotten that? Because like, they've put themselves out there. And if you don't, like no one thinking less, of, like you're just not qualified for the job, but you never fucking know. The person that runs the social media for my business account listen to this podcast it's like a podcast listener she just sent me a message and was like do you have any internships and then I mean she's out of school now but she's continuing to do it so like and she, and I just want to say I only do paid internships so but but like Don't I've had her. yeah I've had people like message me and I've hired people that just send me a message if it's a good message exactly and that's like what this TikTok is woman was saying and she was like if you have the confidence to message a head of a department on a Saturday night. She goes, I'm going to see that. And she's like, "It's I get a notification on my phone. Most of us all have the our LinkedIn notifications turned on on our phone. She goes, respond to it at like 2 a.m. And I'm going to like direct you to the best person. And then I'm going to follow up with that person to see if they reached out to you. Mm -hmm. Like, so everybody wants to help everyone else. It's just a matter of like letting people do that and giving the opportunity to do so. And I had no idea that I mean it makes total sense to me that like women like men will apply for jobs that they mm -hmm. meet 30% of the requirements for and women wait for 100% because a lot of people aren't even 100% qualified for jobs what pe what jobs are posting is their ideal candidate it usually says this our ideal candidate will have these qualifications it doesn't say and yeah. then like the actual required required qualifications maybe like three bullet points yeah and the idea might be like 15 bullet points and if you hit two of them you're good it gets you in the door yeah well they're building their dream mm -hmm. not real person they're right. building false idea like it doesn't it might not even exist in anyone but. yeah somebody send us a message in our dms i said i inspired them <laughs> That's so nice. You want to read it out loud? I do. do read they it. said, oh my gosh, I have hated networking because it makes me feel so icky, stupid, ick. It just makes me feel thirsty and awkward and insecure. But hearing Melissa's networking story on today's Don't Blame Me was inspiring and I was hyped for you. So awesome. Of course, it's you with clapping hand emojis. I definitely need to work on feeling like I deserve the positions I really want and go after them but what, by whatever means necessary. Thank you. 
I just want to give a little update to that. I think, I don't know which podcast, I kind of talked about it, but I did have, you know, a follow-up meeting with someone who has actually moved up in the place where would be my dream job. And we had a good meeting this weekend. We went out to coffee for two and a half hours and was just talking. She was asking me what my goals are, how I envision making that specific job better. Yeah. So it's like you have to foster relationships because I know if something comes up, yeah, she's going to call me. And good networking, that achy kind of thirsty feeling that it's kind of like making friends or reaching out to like anyone mm-hmm. calling to make a doctor's appointment. Like there's that. But like when you're networking with the right people, it doesn't continue to feel like that. Mm-hmm. You foster a relationship. Like we were hanging out. If you're not feeling that, then it's like, OK, let's time and move and pivot because mm-hmm. It should be two people who have the same goals, same interests, and also like respect how the other person works and will then vouch Mm -hmm. for you and then want to kind of set you up because they want to make their life easier or their job easier or they want the person that they recommend you to to like think highly of them. Like it's a symbiotic, really mutually beneficial relationship. If you're not vibing, Mm -hmm. it won't be mutually beneficial. And so like cut the cord, move on. Yeah. You know trim the dead weight Mm -hmm. like and I've had networking experiences that have gone wrong I've had some woman that I was vibing with forever and then she just like stopped talking to me and I have no clue why absolutely no clue why yeah and it's like whatever that just means that I wasn't meant to work with her the vast majority of what like auditioning is is essentially networking where you meet casting directors or you meet producers you meet heads of talent at like studios or whatever and then they think about you mm-hmm. for other things and they reference back to you and they bring you in and they do all of that stuff and it's it's prevalent in every space it's a long burn and sometimes it can feel like they're not coming to fruition and there's no benefit to them but again like a good networking in a good way will also be kind of like it's camaraderie as well or it can be mentorship like it's fostering a long-term relationship and People want that. Yeah. I mean, everybody that works at my company is people that I've worked with before or we came out the same womb. But um, Melissa and I came out the same womb. <laughs> I mean, I uh, the people the that are on the payroll for my company. Yeah. I'm not on the payroll for her company. But uh, but yeah, the, it's about fostering relationships. It's like when I had something come up, I'd be like, oh, I worked well with this person elsewhere or you know I know that they can do a good job and I just like ask them if they want to come work and they do and it makes your job easier Mm -hmm. too because you can also count on those people so uh, it might feel like networking is thirsty but like it's just as beneficial for the other party yep all right well good luck job market is hard and annoying and aggravating yeah but when you build good relationships with good people it makes things easier without a doubt all right That's it. We hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, leave us a review on the podcast app or if you're on Spotify and you listen, five stars. And go leave a comment on our last Instagram post letting us know what's like the weirdest, most interesting, coolest, or lamest, most exciting, most boring job you've ever had. Yeah. Oh, next week we'll have a special guest. So if you want advice by a special guest, a famous special guest. I thought you said Fang. Oh, special guest, a friend. Do you get my joke? I do now. After you said okay. you get my joke. Do you joke. want to keep it in so the people yes. can pick up the Easter yes. egg? Yes, a famous okay. mm-hmm. uh, 
guest, then write in and she'll answer. Yeah. Burn it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Don't Blame Me is a production by me. Executive produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Edited by Coco Lawrence. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Music by Ryan Hunter and Giacomo Picasso.